Thank you, man of God. Love you. Somebody say, may God bless us. I'm going to teach you my beliefs and the way that I see prosperity. How many want to be blessed? Anybody here want to be blessed? You've got to be careful when you say that in church because another offering may be coming, right? This I love to do at this time because during our um, seasons of the church, we do different things. I just went through a season where I preached the book of Galatians verse by verse in the second service. I'm still, by God's grace, finishing the book of John in the first service. So Galatians was second service. Sorry if I called that the first service. I got two services. I sometimes forget what I'm doing. What service are we in? Second. Thank you for reminding me. So in the second service, I went through the book of Galatians. We just finished that up. We're still going through the book of John in the first service. Now, what I wanted to do before we transition into another way of a series or in something that will be consistent week after week, I wanted to preach some uh, spontaneous messages. And what I like about what God gave me today is the title of the sermon is May God Bless Us is because so oftentimes we as pastors are made to feel guilty when we talk about God blessing you financially because it's always coming right behind a, uh, a giving campaign. We're going to raise money for something. And, you know, the pastors, we got to make sure you guys are ready to give. So we're going to prime you up. That has nothing to do with this. I want you to hear my heart with this, honestly, because I love you so much. When I come and speak the word of God, I wouldn't want to ever uh, manipulate you in that kind of a way. I was looking at uh, the scriptures this week, going through my own personal devotional. Anyone can join me on that journey. I do the Bible in a year. You can go to Bible.org, get the app, and then you can see how you can do the Bible in, the, in a year. I get a little portion of the uh, Old Testament, then I get a portion of the New Testament, and then a psalm and a proverb. And this was uh, Psalm 67, starting in verse 1, was the psalm that I received. And as we read through this, I want you to see if, if you get from this what I got from it. So just imagine, you know, you're starting your day like how I was, you know, and you're just hearing this. Man, would this hit you the way it hit me? I think it would. And now that you're here in church, I pray that it has an impact on you because this is the way God talks to us. He's not our heavenly judge, though he is a judge. But when we pray to him, how are we supposed to refer to him? Our heavenly father. Does anybody here have a good father, and I have to preface that because some do not have good fathers, and I am here to pray for you and help advocate for you in life, and if you're suffering in any way right now, let us know. We can help, but listen to this. Does anybody here have a good father, a good father that doesn't want the best for you? No, every one of us has a good father. If we have a good father, they want the best for us, don't they? They, they really want to see us succeed in life. How many times have we heard this from our fathers? I'm your biggest fan. I'm your biggest supporter. I got your back. Everybody else may not have your back, but I have your back. Fathers are like that. When, when God calls himself a father, that's the image we're supposed to have. We're not supposed to think about a baby daddy that don't come and show up when he's supposed to. That's not what, we're not supposed to think about our heavenly baby daddy that's not taking care of business. Are you, are you with me? We're not supposed to be thinking about a pimp or a player, you know, our heavenly pimp. You know, he just pimps us, takes from us, you know, that, that kind of thing. We're not supposed to think about uh, the father and the ways that fathers have been portrayed in the negative light. And if you're a father like that, please repent in Jesus' name and be like God, your father. Amen. Go back to your children. Go back to your family. Take care of them. But as I was reading this, I was just so like 
just, man, I was blessed by God wanting to bless me. Let me just say it like that. I was blessed by God telling me he wants to bless me. Because I don't know about you, there are times where I feel like maybe I'm going like further than what God has for me. Sometimes I feel like, well, maybe God just wants me to be homely and basic. And I'm over here trying to dream a big dream. And God's like, no, 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 I just want you basic. I don't know if anybody ever feels like that, but sometimes when I pray, I'm almost like questioning, like, God, are you, are you cool with this? Because I want to see amazing things happen. God, I, I want to be a testimony for you. And I look at scriptures like this, and it reminds me, oh, hold up, hold up, hold up. I'm not outdoing God. God is way ahead of me, and he's like, son, come on up, catch up. My prayers aren't so big that God's like, whoa, angels, did you hear what, what the pastor prayed for? Oh, man, I don't know how we're going to do this. Go get the Virgin Mary. We're going to have to get some help. No, I believe it's exactly the opposite. I believe the Father's in heaven saying, come on, ask me. Ask me. No bigger. Ask me for more. No, go beyond that. You're thinking too small. Now, the moment I start to talk like this, sadly, we have in our own minds, and I know I have it too, all of these experiences that we've had with people in the church and ministry who have done us wrong. Maybe you were going through a desperate time, and you saw somebody on TV say, send me $50, and I'm going to send you this holy rag, and your miracle's coming. And maybe just out of desperation, we're not here to make you feel bad, but just out of desperation, you said, all right, I'm going to do it, because somebody does it. They're on air somehow. Are you all listening? And you got that rag. You got that holy water. You got that thing, and it just didn't work. Or you went to a church. Where every other week it was sow your seed and reap your blessing. And it all only seemed like the pastor and the one in charge was getting blessed. Like it was a pyramid scheme gone wrong. Because at least if you sell Amway, you get something out of it. But the pastor kept coming up while everybody stayed down. And so we have heard this. And I've heard it even from Bible colleges, from people I love and trust, where it almost puts like a sour taste in your mouth. It's, we already, as a culture, feel uncomfortable talking about finances, let alone someone doing it in public while we're coming to church with real issues. And then on top of that, to make it about somebody giving and, and doing something, you know, which should be between us and God as charity should be. The Bible says give as you determine your heart to give. And that's being put on display. I've been in churches where they took offerings and called them out and wouldn't let them out until the thing was done, until they raised the money. I'm being honest with you. We're raising 10000 starting right now. Shut the doors, ushers. We're going to make sure we get. Do I have 1000 I thought I was watching an auction. Other times it's a little bit more sophisticated in that where they go through these large building campaigns, and it almost just seems like it's all about giving to a religious organization, and it doesn't really impact our lives. I'm saying all of this because I really want that to be cleared out of the way and us to receive a blessing from the Lord. Some may say, may God bless us. I know I'm speaking to a lot of you because that's what I am dealing with when I want to preach a message like this, and I know I'm not alone. But when you read this, I just want to ask you, can you feel what I felt when I read it this week. Can your heart be open to it without you thinking there's something up my sleeve? There is not one thing up my sleeve. There is no building campaign. Whatever you give towards the van, that's between you and the Lord. This is not my motivation. What, the, what my motivation is is for you to receive from this the same word that I received this week and then for you and I to dream big for God. 
Because at the end of the day, we all do want to be blessed. At the end of the day, when we go to work, we want there to be a reward that we can provide for our family and then our children and our children's children. All of us want to have some kind of a substance in this world that can help others. Most of us here may uh, not struggle with greed. As a matter of fact, as I pastored for over 20 years, most of the church that I have pastored has not struggled with greed. Most have struggled with low ambition. I'm being honest with you. In, in this congregation, most of you would not struggle with greed. I think I have, uh, by God's grace, seen Christians show me over and over and over again just how generous they are, how willing they are to go above and beyond. So with, with a pastor's heart, what I would say to most of you is your generosity is amazing. You have the desire to help people. But are you dreaming as big as God has for you? Because you can only give to others what has come to you. What goes through you has to be significant enough to touch those that you're touching around you. In other words, if you only have this kind of uh, substance, you can you know, limit to it, then you'll be limited in what you can do. But if you can tap into, if I can tap into, like I'm saying this is for me, if I can tap into the limitless God, then there'll be a limitless supply of what I can give. Because no more is it about me just receiving for my four and no more. I'm beginning now to say to God, God, I want to be like the faucet that has all of the resources of Lake Michigan flowing through it. And Lord, as long as I turn on and don't turn off, you're going to keep flowing your blessings through me. So now I'm not limited based on what my faucet can do. My faucet is not Lake Michigan. My faucet could really be a limited thing if I just looked at it like that. But if I look at the faucet as simply a conduit, then there's no limit for the amount of water that can flow through that faucet. Are you guys tracking with me? Now, if you don't want to be blessed today and you want me to preach for you to repent of your sins, just stay for the third service and I'll do one just for you. And my face will turn red and I'll shout and holler about how you ain't living right, okay? Are you all listening to me? Because this one is going to be about God blessing you. Look with me to Psalm chapter 67, verse 1. How many are ready for a blessed message? Amen. All of them are good, I know, but I just want to talk to you about being blessed. Look at Psalm 67. I might start crying too because I see this in a lot of ways in my life, and I hope you do today. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth your salvation among all nations. May the salvation of God come to how many nations? All nations. May the people praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Is anybody in the church here named Metro Praise International ready to praise God? May all the peoples praise you. And he repeats it again. God, may all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the people with equity. That means God is fair. And guide the nations of the earth. Now look at verse 5. May the peoples praise you, O God. May they all praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God. Somebody say, he's our God. Come on. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still 
Now watch this at the end. So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Isn't that powerful? That just put the Holy Ghost right up in me, man. I got so motivated for that. I said, what new business can I start? What new thing can I do for my kids? Where can I go to see what God has for me? Where, where do I need to be to receive this? Because God just said that's what he wants to do. And we're supposed to look at him as our father and say, as think about it, as the land yields its harvest, God our God blesses us. I don't know about you, but when I get around farms, I get encouraged because I know that's where food comes from. And I look at the ground and I go, how, how does this work? A seed this size goes into there. Think about this. You start with corn or something. A yellow seed goes into the brown dirt, then it dies, and then it comes up green, and then has a bunch of those little yellow seeds called corn on them. And then from those seeds, you can plant more seeds and continue to do that and harvest the entire land. Your God did that. Your God set seed time and harvest up for you and I to know that's how he blesses us. Now, what is the first thing that comes to my mind is, okay, Lord, let's get blessed together then. You, you got this thing going. I'm ready to go. But I think that we don't understand why he wants to do it. Notice right there, it doesn't say God just wants to bless you so that you can walk around like a peacock and show the world how many blessings you have. How many of us have seen enough of that and it's made our stomach sick? How many have, have kept up with the Kardashians long enough to know, man, that, that's not what I want? I, if, if having that much money means I forget my gender, I would rather be right where I'm at and know I'm a man, praise God. If, if having that kind of money makes me have to have an implants, hello somebody, and injections and all of that just to feel normal, dear God, I'll take my Polish nose and what I got in my bank account any day. Are you all listening to me? Why is it so much of the rich around us are crazy? They can't keep their families together. They can't keep their minds right. They get all this money. Some of them commit suicide. You're looking at them like, what has gone wrong with you? You know what it is? It's just humanity being multiplied with all of the wants and desires they can have. So take your sinful self and times it by that much money, and that's what the rich look like most of the time. You have problems with self-esteem and you broke. Now you got $100 million. Now you're going to look like you're a mannequin. Now you're going to look like plastic, right? Because you took that self-esteem and it just multiplied, that low self-esteem just multiplied by that money. You're a selfish person. You live for your own wants and desires. You get a bunch of money. That multiplies, gives you more opportunities to be selfish. So in some ways, money and substance and things like that are just a multiplier of what's already there. But what if we could have both? What if we could be both blessed financially and blessed mentally? Sometimes people might say, well, what would you rather have, wealth or health? Well, of course, I would rather have what? Health. But can I have both, please? Can I be healthy and wealthy? How about the third one, wise? Wow, you mean there's actually ways in the Bible that teach us how we can be healthy, how we can be wealthy, and how we can be wise? Absolutely.
When you go through the heroes of our faith, that's how God is speaking to them. He comes to Abraham and he's saying to him, I want to bless you to be a blessing so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you. And Abraham had to believe it. That's what God has for me. Now, as I began to think about this, I began to ask God, okay, so how do I get blessed in a way that honors you? Look at it at the end. So that all the ends of the earth will fear your name. There is something in the believer's life, in the Christian's life, that is supposed to make the world fear God when they see them. And you know what that thing is? Your blessings. <laughs> They're not just supposed to fear God because we preach and shout and spit and holler at them. They're not just supposed to fear God because we are so nice. They are supposed to fear God because when they look at us, they see a blessed people. They see a people with blessings in their lives. Now, it would be good to define what blessings are. Blessings aren't just material things. As you go through the Beatitudes of Christ and Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. These blessings, first and foremost, need to come through the fruit of the Spirit, through the character that God gives us. But God doesn't only bless us in character. He also blesses us with charisma, with gifts. That word charisma means gifts. How many want character and gifts of the Spirit? So you want to be blessed? Do you want the nations to fear God because of your blessings? Well, let's go up to the top and see how we can do that. And may I encourage you today. Number one, may God be gracious to us and bless us. The first blessing that we need to receive from God is the blessing of forgiveness of our sins. God does not want to bless your mess, but he wants your mess to be your message and the test to be a testimony to show how good he is. So the blessings that are coming into my life right now should cause people to fear God, starting with the blessing of forgiveness. I am forgiven of my sins. That should make my fellow drug dealing friends fear God. Whoa, if Joe got forgiven and God got a hold of his heart, I better get right with that God. Because if that God has forgiven him and changed him and I'm still in sin, there's probably going to be issues with me if I got to face him on judgment. How many know when I received the blessing of forgiveness, when God was gracious to me, that caused my friends to fear God, that people who knew me started to fear God. But you know what's good about God is that God doesn't just forgive us of our sins and say, here you are now to live your life as a child without any provision, without any help, but just know you're going to go to heaven when you die. So look, look for the sweet by and by. No, he says he'll be gracious to us. He'll bless us. He'll make his face shine upon us and that he's going to begin to meet our needs. How many people have needs in this place today? Look at how he meets our needs. When he meets our needs, he takes care of us. Look at verse 1 when it says, uh, verse 2, it says, So that your ways, the psalmist is speaking, may be known on the earth, your salvation among the nations. God wants to get glory for taking care of us. Imagine if I said to you right now, I'm going to bring up my children. And as my children came up, they're missing teeth, they're dirty, their hair's ratted up, they smell. And I say, don't you just love my family? How many would feel sorry for the pastor's kids? It's like, pastor, take them to a dentist. Brush their hair. Wash their clothes. 
But I want you to know some of us are representing Christ like that. We're all busted up by the devil. We're all, as I say, busted and disgusted, living on barely get along street next to Grumble Avenue. We don't know how to live the kind of righteous life that God wants us to have. We're not living a blessed life, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty for the money in your bank, but I'm just saying we're not representing a God who's meeting our needs, and then we're saying, Jesus loves you. Hair all matted up, clothes unwashed, right? Asking for lunch money, but Jesus loves you. Why does the world not fear God? Because they don't see the real blessings in our lives. They don't really see us forgiven of our sins and living a different kind of life. They see us just like them. They go to their job. We go to the job with them. They go and make a paycheck. We make a paycheck. They, you know, they come home. Things go all right most of the time. Every now and then it doesn't. They look at our lives. Things go right most of the time. Every now, it does, every now and then it doesn't. And they don't see anything distinguishing between us and, and their life. So are we really blessed or are we just like them? You see, we have lost the dynamic of what it really means to be blessed. The first and foremost difference between you and your coworker, me and the guy that's my neighbor, is that I'm blessed, I'm forgiven of my sins, and they're still in sin. I don't live like my neighbor. I don't talk like my neighbor. I don't watch the same movies and TV shows like my neighbor. My children speak to me different than the children of my neighbor speak to their parents. Are you listening to me? You look at the character of a Christian's home, you should be able to see a blessing that is there. My wife and I have six kids by God's grace. We're blessed. Amen. And we have heard countless amounts of times being out at restaurants from either waiters, waitresses, and or other customers. Your family is one of the most well-behaved families I have ever seen. I am so amazed at your family. Strangers have come up to us and said, I'm amazed at your family. Now watch them act crazy today and ruin that testimony. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. Got to manifest a blessing. They're going to be amazing angels today. Isn't that what Facebook teaches you? I know it's faith. But listen, I've heard that over and over again. That doesn't get old to me. It doesn't get old to me that I'm already with my wife getting ready for our 17th year anniversary in June and by God's grace, amen. And people that I married are already on their second and third marriage. I know I'm blessed. My family's not like your boss's family if he's not a Christian. If I do not have that, I don't have the right to go on to the next thing. But I want to encourage you that I want both. I want the blessed character. I want a life of integrity. I want to have children that are obedient. I want to have what God has for me inside and out as a person. But I also want to then show up to the job. I want to show up to the workplace, and I want to beat them at what they're doing and outperform them. I want to have both. How many want to have both? You see, you have to get it in your heart today that it starts with your character. It starts with your character, and then it comes out to the way you see the world. I could give you a, a, a lot of examples, but I want to start with just a few. The first I would like to give you is probably the biggest, and that is this nation is the most wealthiest nation in the world, and it was started upon Christian principles. And when people did not follow those principles, we went to war and we killed them so that we could continue to have those principles. Can somebody say the Revolutionary War? 
And can somebody say the Civil War? Are you happy about those? Are you happy that they had to do it? No, but it had to be done, right? How about World War I and II? Who shut down both of those wars? Your country when it got involved. This nation was made the most richest and blessed nation on the earth, and we've put on our dollars that we do not forget. In God we trust, and yet now we trust in the dollar. Is there any wonder we're going down the toilet right now? Where did this nation come from, y'all? Where did the entrepreneurs come from? We just got past Black History Month. Where did all of the African Americans get their ideas from? Most of them were Christians. Most of them looking to God for their solutions to their problems. Starting all of the businesses that they did. Where did all of our companies come from? Read about these companies and how they started. Even the ones you wouldn't even suspect. But read about them. They came, most of them, if not all the great ones, came from Christians. Quaker Oats. What kind of dude do you think started Quaker Oats? One of the largest wheat dealers in the nations was started by a Quaker. Why not Metro Oats? Hello, somebody. Why don't you start the next oat company? You ever heard of Princeton, Harvard, and Yale? Harvard was started by a Bible college graduate pastor. These are universities. You want to know who graduated the first African Americans? Bible college, from the Bible college. You want to know the feminists, who they were and what they were? They were Christians. And now, think about it. You go to business school and you'll learn everything except the Bible. Stupid is as stupid does. And I say this on behalf of everybody. Our people are God's people. I don't care about the Italians and the Polish. I don't identify with them. I like some of their food. That's wonderful. Even as an American, that's not my priority. But hear my point in this. I identify with Christian people. Christian people came to this nation, many of them, and established principles today that allow you to live free. When my friend just got back from Mexico and they're still kidnapping mayors and tying up and putting them in trunks and butchering them. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? When Mussolini was able to deceive the Vatican, it was Protestant Christians in a nation like America that whooped them back out of those nations they were trying to take over. Protestant biblical Christianity has impacted every single person in this nation, if you call this your home, in ways you probably don't even know. And yet you and I are now ashamed to talk about Jesus in the workplace. Do you know that there was an organization called the Fellowship of Christian Businessmen that was started during one of the heights of American entrepreneurship as we were developing our Bible Belt and the roaring times of our generations were Christians leading those things and those businessmen would get together and pray? When was the last time you even heard of the Christian Businessmen's Association? And yet you hear of the stupidity of these wicked businessmen now and the books they write, and we look up to them because we think they're in charge. They're not in charge. My God's in charge. His principles win. I want to take their customers in Jesus' name. I want someone to overtake Apple. I want someone to overtake Google. I want someone to overtake these wicked, these wicked governmental structures that are being supported now by our nation and allowing the Christians to be supported. When COVID happened, what did they do? They went to Facebook, shut down free speak, speech. When these things happened, they went to these uh, Google searches and they had the power to work with the government to shut us down. Why don't you start the next Google? Who's stopping you? 
They tell us on these Apple apps that certain Christian content cannot be sold. Right now in Canada, I have a friend that I'm working with there. They can't leave their nation without a vaccine. Who are these wicked to our God? Somebody needs to be a David and chase them down. If Mark Zuckerberg could start Facebook in his little dorm room, why can't somebody start God's book right now and outdo him? Amen? You see, but once again, what did I say the problem is with most in this church? It's not your generosity. It's your small thinking. Our, our founding fathers decided to start a nation. You and I are not even ready yet to become a manager because you think it's more work. And yet you're upset that your manager doesn't give you those days out, days off. Outwork your manager. Become the manager. And then now be an honorable one. Are you listening to me? We complain about who took care of our plumbing. Become the plumber now. Make the plumbing business. Outdo those plumbers. Put them out of business. Why is it we come to this church and we sing about the greatness of our God and we believe him to save us, but we don't believe him to do the next part, and that is to bless us and make his face shine upon us? Why is it the world is outdoing us right now? It's because we don't believe like how we used to. The Young Men's Christian Association. What did I just name? What is that in abbreviated form? Do you know that Christian businessmen started that during the Industrial Revolution? That Christians who were leaving the rural cultures of their area could come to the urban areas and not be brought in by the strong liquor and drink that was popular at that time? They started Christian associations. You look at the Salvation Army. Is it called the Muslim Army? Is it called the Buddha Army? One of the largest charitable organizations, the Salvation Army, was started by Christians. Now all we know about them is a stupid Santa ringing a bell. This spoke to me this week. I hope it speaks to you, whether you're an engineer or you're a janitor, you work construction or you work in the IT field. God wants to bless you. How big are you dreaming? I was watching a show one day called Blue Collar Millionaires. And it was telling the stories. And by the way, most millionaires come from without money. Most did not start with money. The idea that there are trust fund kids or trust fund wealth being handed down that's stopping us is a devil's lie. Most people with wealth today earned it from zero to nothing. And you can look at your own superstars. It's exactly that way, whether they did in sports or entertainment or media. Most of the people we now know as billionaires started with nothing. Elon Musk started with nothing. Steve Jobs started with nothing. Are you listening to me? Mark Zuckerberg started with nothing. Now, some of you might say, well, no, they didn't have nothing. They had a dorm. They had this. And that. Okay, so but are you tracking with me? They had nothing in the sense of a lot of money. How many are tracking with me? They have what you have right now. Do you have a place to get Wi-Fi? Do you have a computer? Okay, that's what they started with, right? Now, track with me here. They go through blood, sweat, and tears to get to these places of prominence. And we respect them and we honor them. And then guess what? We begin to fear them. Well, I hope Steve's jobs doesn't shut down my ads because a woke bunch of people are wanting to shut down my plumbing business. I hope they don't go to Facebook so I can't keep my ads up there and they take them down. We now fear the world. Well, I hope Google doesn't shut down my, Facebook, my uh, website because people are coming because they Google you know, churches in Chicago. I hope they don't do that. We now fear them. 
I remember during COVID, I started, you know, thinking in this church, well, who do I know that can keep things going, okay? Do we have construction workers? Okay, then we'll, we'll keep houses safe then. Do we have people that have deal with uh, clothes and food? I mean, uh, clothes, yes, then we'll keep there. Do we have people who own grocery stores and have food? Then we'll keep dealing with them. But I began to see how many gaps I had even in this church because we don't know how dependent we really are upon the wicked. We need to become independent from them. I'm not saying we move on a commune. I'm just saying my prayer is for you that whatever industry you're in, you put the Christian thumbprint there and you become a person of influence so that you are uncancionable. Uh, they cannot cancel you. How many want to have an uncancionable, if I could say that word, can somebody shout it out, uncancelable? is that it? You can't be canceled, thank you. One more example before I go on. Most of the largest businesses that we think of today that we now consider as staples in our society started with one simple idea. One simple idea that changed the way everything is done. What was the one simple idea of Walmart? Started by Sam Walton, I believe was his name. Now his family is, I believe, the richest family in the world. You put together the Walton wealth. What was his one simple idea? At the time that Sam Walton started his store, everything looked very much like it did on this street right here. Corner stores. When you need a tool, what do you do? Go to the corner store hardware shop. When you need something to do with groceries, you go to the corner store grocery store. When you need with your keys done or need something like that with, with your keys, your locks, you go to the lock store. What did Sam Walton say? Put it all together. Put it all together. One idea became the largest, everybody think about this, the largest department store that has ever been on this planet, and he was a Christian. Now, where's that idea inside of this church? Well, all the ideas are taken, pastor. There's no more ideas like that. The devil's a liar. Your wicked homosexual neighbor will get it and then pimp you with it. You get it and meet him there and treat him better than he'll treat you. Are you listening to me? Because if you don't get that one idea, the transgender homosexual will, and then they'll say, we don't hire your kind here. No, you get the idea, and then you still hire them, but you treat them differently than the way they treat you. You and I have to dream bigger. A couple of other examples. How many have ever heard of Amazon? You ever heard of Amazon? The largest online store, not only in our time, but of all time, in entire human history, the largest store. What was his one idea? What was his one idea? You can buy what you're going to Walmart for online. How many remember when going online was sketchy? How many know you didn't feel comfortable giving your credit card online? I watched Amazon come up. I watched Amazon start, and I sat there going, this is not probably going to work because everybody I know is afraid to put their credit card online. And so he started with books. That's what it was, was a library. Go get your books. A bookstore, in other words, not a library, but a bookstore. And over time, people began to trust. Okay, okay, well, if I put my credit card here and my bank's got my back, well, then you know what? I'll be willing to do that. And then he said, if I can do it with books, come on, I can do it with anybody or with anything. I think back 
at that time when I heard about that idea. You know how much Amazon stock was at that time? I got a brother into the stocks right here. Dollars. You know how much Amazon stock now is worth? Upwards of $3,000. Well, pastor, I don't have the one idea. If you would have known to have invested $1,000 of your hard-earned money into Amazon, you would be over a millionaire right now. So you might say to me, Pastor, are you just trying to make us all millionaires and rich people? No, I want you to dream big with God because God is looking for people to bless. God wants us to have more than enough. He wants it to be to the point that the nations fear him. I can see this already here in just a little bit. When people walk into this church and they see that it's a storefront that you can almost put your hands across and touch one wall to the other, and then they see what we do, written over 20 books that are now across the nations, have started a Bible college that's free and aiming for accreditation to give Harvard, Princeton, and Yale a run for their money, that supports missionaries across the world, put a gospel truck, and a pastor just asked me, another pastor asked me how to do that the other day, and to do all of that we're doing, in our life groups, with our church activities, people walk in here and they begin to fear God. I was in the South where church buildings are the size of, of super, mart, uh, you know, super centers and they don't do what we're doing here. And they ask me all the time, how did your church do that in the middle of Chicago during this lockdown, during this time? How has it happened? Because God wants to bless his people and people will learn to fear God by what he does here at Metro Praise International. Amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. I got a lot of scriptures to go through. Now go to Deuteronomy with me, chapter 8, verse 18. Half the message is the introduction, so please be patient with me. Go to Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 18. How many want God to bless you today? Amen. How many are being encouraged today? Okay, how many are going to stay for the third service and get preached about your sin? No, I'm kidding. I know, it's like, Pastor, you're disappointing me. Just preach at us again. Be, rebuke us. You know, it's the way this church is. They get so used to rebukes. When I talk about God blessing you, it's like, what's going on? Look at Deuteronomy 8.18. Start at verse 17, rather, so everybody can see the context. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. At some point in your life, you may look at everything you've done and say, I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. No, you're a self-made mess. You may be tempted to look at what you did and say, my hands did this. But verse 18 says, remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce what? To produce what? Say it like you're at a Tony Robbins conference. To produce what? Wealth. And so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. What if we're not raptured in the next 20 years? What are you leaving behind to your children? What if we don't see the end times like we always talk about the Antichrist and the church has to go on another 100 years? Will your generation remember you and what you've left them? Otherwise, the covenant will be forgotten. I want to leave schools. I want to leave those nonprofits. I want to leave wealth to my children so that they can be uncancelable, that they can continue on with the things of God. How many want to have a wing of that school named after them? Come on, how many of you want to see us do what Moody did and buy up 10 blocks and say this belongs to Jesus and bring the fear of God to everybody in that community? Because if he did it once, he'll do it again. Wouldn't that just blow their minds?
Could you imagine being around at that time? D.L. Moody was a shoe salesman. And God put the call on him to preach to the poor and to the hurting. And over time, he built one of the largest churches in the world. And then in Chicago, the largest. And now still to this day, we know his reputation and what God did. But most of us have now forgotten it. God, do it again. God, do it again. Help us to be a blessing to others. Help us to do what you want to do upon the earth. Remember, it's God who wants to do this upon the earth. This might blow some of your minds. Christian or non-Christian, who started Guinness? Christian. Do you know that we led in the alcohol-making business? Not only just in the oat business, but we led in the alcohol business. And when Christians were running it, it didn't look like it looks like now. Who's going to redefine what alcohol is in a culture? Look up the story of Guinness. Look up the story of some of the whiskey brands that came out of the South, the Bible Belt. You see, when the Christians leave a place of society, when we leave a sphere of society, it goes to hell in a handbasket. The first actors, Christian or non-Christian? Christian. Let me just give you the answer ahead of time. Christian, okay? The first scientist, Christian or non-Christian, who developed the scientific methods, Francis Bacon, not the bacon you eat, but the scientist, Christian, Sir Isaac Newton, Christian or non-Christian, Christian. What happened when Christians got out of the science business? We started pointing at goo in the zoo and says, now here's you. When we left the scientific world, we gave it to the atheist who the Bible says is a fool, and now they point to the zoo and they say, that's where you came from. Is it any wonder people act like animals when they were taught they were animals? As I said before, who were the first feminists, Christians or non-Christians? Christians. We led these industries. God gave us wealth. The greatest artists, the Renaissance, Christians or non-Christians, Christians, God's people. And now we've left the arts, and now it belongs to the wicked. You look at today's fashion industry, you listen to today's musicians, most of them look and are demonized. How many can see across the whole board demons in these industries? I'm talking from Beyonce. What did Beyonce have? Goat heads? If your wife was here, she would have it. Did she have goat heads in her video? From Beyonce putting on goat heads to the people over here literally doing seances to the devil in their rap concerts to everything in between to even now our lawyer, our lawyer who represents us and always keep them in your prayer, Malk and Baker, John Malk, and I believe the other one is uh, Richard Baker, keep them in your prayers. They are suing the city of Chicago for teaching transcendental meditation in public schools. And yet you can't bring this in. You as a teacher have to fear them, otherwise they're going to kick you out. But what does the Bible say? You better remember the Lord your God. It's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth so that he confirms his covenant. There was a church just like this in Canada that was a small storefront church reaching the community. 
And there was a drunkard that was local to that area. And one day a drunkard, that drunkard came by and he heard them clapping and singing songs. And he came into the church and he gave his heart to Jesus. And then he got married. And then he had a child. And I guess it was popular that back then to have the accordion being played. So the son learned how to play the accordion in the worship band. That is the top 10 billionaire of Canada right now, and I believe he's in the steel industry. He used to play the accordion in a storefront Pentecostal church. One of the top 10 richest people of Canada, and he builds Pentecostal schools now. Is that him? Is that you? Where's the next one? Where are we going to get to the point where we stop watching someone else do it? Anybody here of the founder of Spanx? The woman who said, my goodness, I got stuff in all kinds of places that I don't like. And I have these, these old pantyhose. Why not try to slip them over and, and make myself a 21st century girdle, which had already existed. Now she's a billionaire. While we sit back and complain about the culture, the world is making a difference by loving their own and preferring their own, promoting their own. And the Bible says they are more shrewd than the children of light. Jesus says, make your friends with mammon so that when things go bad, you can win in the end. Let's pull up that scripture. Pull it, help him find the scripture in Luke where he gives the parable of being more shrewd than the people of this world. I remember our landlord here, the one that we deal with, and uh, he says to me every now and then, hey, we're going to have to talk about the rent, but go easy on me because I'm afraid of you. And I said, why? He said, you're one of the best salesmen that I know. You should go into business. Because when we start to negotiate this price, I'm not saying, mother, may I? I'm a Christian. I'll turn the other cheek. I come by his own standards and try to beat him every time. You see, we as Christians are not turning the other cheek at the right times. Turning the other cheek is when someone in a situation has threatened you with the gospel, uh, to stop preaching the gospel. You are then to show them that you will not stop preaching the gospel, even if... You stand right where you're at, like they did in Alabama during the time of the Jim Crow laws, and then you outdo them in your logic, in your articulation of the truth, and you say, whether by life or by death, I'm standing here. That's why I hated BLM so much for what it was. When I was taught black history by the black pastors who raised me up, and that's why I'm not trying to be fake about it. I'm preaching the way a T.I. is because that's the way it is and the way I was raised up. But the way they taught me was we didn't win the battle with handouts. We outlogicked them. We outspoke them. We outsuffered them. I've been to, to Birmingham, Alabama, the bus that Rosa Parks refused to move on. They did it with grace and integrity. Are you listening to me? That's how you turn the other cheek and you win the battle. You can read the passive, the, the idea of being passive in your fight for justice by reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s book. He talks about it in detail. Most people have no idea why he did it. Passive resistance is resistance. But it's saying, I will not slap you back because that will not win this battle. But I will take your slap and bring it back to you in ways that you cannot win. Like I said, through logic, through ideas, through the stick to and dedication. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? So we're turning our back and getting slapped by this world when we're supposed to beat them. 
I do not turn the other cheek when I'm, when, when I'm working for Comcast and you're working for AT&T. I want you to get shut down. I want to win. I'm not turning the other cheek when I'm putting out sales and advertisements for Applebee's and you're across the street without outhouse, uh, out back. I want to beat you. Are you listening? I want when my supervising manager comes, I want him to say, you have got the highest sales of all the Applebee's in the state. You see, we as Christians have been passive for too long. We have turned the cheek and been defeated by the world. The Bible does not teach us that kind of passivity. The Bible teaches us to go out and win, to go out and be the best, to be those that others want to follow. They should want you as a manager because you're better than the one that's there right now. They should want you as a CEO because you're better than the CEO that's there right now. We should want you to put out the next Google search engine because you'll be better than Google right now. Can I hear an amen? amen. This is what Jesus said. The master commended the dishonest manager because he acted shrewdly. This is Luke chapter 16, verse 8. He acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd. This is red letters. Who's talking right here? Thank you. For the people of this world are more shrewd in their dealing with their own kind than the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth. You, I said, I'm sorry. Use worldly what? Okay, use your worldly food stamps. Use your, ask the, you know, ask the person here for a handout. No, what does it say? Use worldly wealth. Come on, what does it say? Use worldly. Thank you. Help me preach it, Jesus. Use worldly what? Wealth to gain friends for yourselves. Oh, I wish I could have said that better. Use worldly what? Wealth. Thank you for helping me. Sometimes I stutter. The worldly people are using wealth to hinder the gospel. And we are sitting back saying, well, that's how we turn the other cheek. No, we don't turn the other cheek in that way. I want to use worldly wealth to build buildings downtown that have your name on it. Instead of Trump, instead of this one, instead of that one, who is Sears anyway, I want your name to be on those buildings. I want your company to own Wrigley Field. Wrigley's dead and gone. His family's had their chance. You're the next one. You're the next one. At some point, you and I have got to see greatness for what it is. And maybe right now, I could just give some practical steps because some people might be thinking, well, are we all going to be billionaires? No. Invest in one. That is then. Have enough money to invest in something. If you're not the next Steve Jobs, find the Steve Jobs and buy his shares. I'm not talking penny stocks, get rich quick. Something you can invest in for the next 5, 10 years. Invest in those who have the ideas that are going to change the world. Your savings right now, our savings can become wealth if we find the right things to put it in. Number two, look at your ideas. Don't discount yourself so fast. Maybe you are the next one with the Spanx. Maybe you are the next one that has the winning idea like Walmart. And you should go for that. And then lastly... Just to give you two things, invest, look at your own time and talents, and number three, wherever you are at, let it be said of you, you are the best. You are the best. So you save what you have, give 10% to the Lord and save 10%. Live off that 80%. You'll be happy that you did. Don't try to keep up with the Joneses. Most of the Joneses are in credit card debt. Are you listening? Most Americans don't have $5,000 in cash right now to, give, uh, to pull out of their bank account. 
If I said to most of you right now, I'll give you $100. If you can verify in a bank account you have $5,000 in cash, many of you would walk out of here without $100 in their hands. And yet you listen to people online. You see this generation. They're taking our wealth. I was watching the story of someone online. She's in her early 20s. She's already saved up $100,000, and she came from nothing. Why? Because she started working, she started saving, she started becoming a manager, she started investing. And I'm not talking these fly-by-night stock type things and these risky investments. I'm just talking about she started working at 16, she started investing in Apple, she started working at, you know, kept working at 17, kept investing in Tesla. And she picked four or five stocks and she did it. Now she has over $100,000 in cash and she's only a little bit older than my daughter. And most adults here would not even know what to do with that much money. Because we've let the world tell us that we're Christians. We're not supposed to have it. No, we're supposed to have it, and they're not. That's actually the way it goes. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. When the kingdom of God comes on this earth, do you know that I'm taking every one of their keys and claiming that for my Airbnb? I said, did you know that? Oh, some of y'all didn't know that. Go with me in the Bible. <laughs> Go with me in the Bible. Y'all better learn Mark chapter 10. Where do you think the houses and land come from after judgment day? They come from the wicked. Bill Gates is going to be my Comcast guy when the judgment day comes. Are you listening to me? We will occupy their houses and land. Don't think we're talking Islamic jihad because we don't do it by force and the sword today. We are praying a prayer which Christians have always prayed. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What do you think that is for the wicked? That's where they lose their stuff. The Bible says the wealth of the wicked is for the righteous. Find that scripture for them as well. And then we'll go to this passage. I got a few in my heart that are not even on the, the notes here. Are you all ready for this? The Bible teaches you and I that we are supposed to see the wealth of this earth, the harvest of this land belonging to our God. Now, what is the balance? You're not jealous, you're not envious, and you do not take it by force, or do you take it dishonestly? Joseph in Egypt had the richest people of his day giving them, giving him the wealth to take care of. Have you, has anybody ever read the story of Joseph? The man that was in charge of all of his house and property, he said, here you go, Potiphar, he said to Joseph, I trust you with this, take it. I don't even have to think about it, take it. Then when he worked for Pharaoh, Pharaoh said, you are the, most, uh, you are the second most powerful person in this entire nation, I don't even want to think about it. You run this nation. Look at what the Bible says. Verse 22 of Proverbs chapter 13. Thank you, brothers. A good person. Somebody say a good person. A good person leaves a Jesus song to their children. No, no not just that. You're going to leave that, but what else are you going to leave? A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for who? The righteous. Now go back to the other scripture that I was going to give them, please. Now, I want you to see this here in Mark chapter 10, verse 29. Jesus said this. This is red letters. Has anybody pumped up yet? Look at what Jesus said. Houses and land. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in heaven what does it say? As hundred times as much where? In this present age. This is the present age. How many know we're in the present age? How many know we haven't come past the present age yet? You still in the present? How many in the present? 
So the next stage is when Christ is on earth ruling and reigning. You all tracking with me? So in this age, what can you expect? A hundred times of the fathers you've left, the mothers you've left, the sisters you've left. How many of you have left some earthly family and have received some spiritual family in a church like this? Amen? So now where's our homes? Where's our fields? They better be coming in Jesus' name. I want them in Jesus' name. Not out of greed, but out of generosity. I was watching a show the other day because I'm learning about real estate, and I watched a wicked, filthy sinner speak of his real estate business with foul, foul words in and out of his mouth, and I thought to myself, I want to beat him at that game. I don't do real estate right now, but just for the very fact, I want to beat him and put the fear of God in him, that you don't have to talk filthy, disrespectful, and you can still have the houses he's building. Why are we now the second-class citizens in this country that was built by Christians while the wicked who led to the demise of every culture, their cultures have already failed. Those who do entertainment like them were the Greeks, and they failed. The Romans, they failed. The nations that all of our peoples come from, these pagan nations were wicked and they failed. And yet God's people succeeded and now we're handing back our nation to the wicked pagan Romans? Like we're going to have this wicked culture run our nation? You run this nation in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, run for aldermen. In Jesus' name, run for president. Run for whatever political office you got the calling to. Someone said that to me, and I said, I'll do it in 30 seconds, but God hasn't called me yet. We cannot sit back in this generation and say, I don't want the houses and land. I just want brothers and sisters. And then it goes on to say, along with persecutions, in the age to come, eternal life. How many are waiting for eternal life to come? In the age to come. I'm waiting for it. But in this world, I know I can expect a few things. In this world, I will receive back every relationship I've ever lost. I will receive back wealth for anything that I've had to give up for Jesus. And I will receive persecution. Bring it on, devil. I'm going to win in Jesus' name. Now, what do we do with our wealth? I gave you some ideas for it, right? This is not a financial seminar, but I gave you some ideas. Save and invest, right? Look at your own skills and abilities and see which ones you have. And then lastly, be the best at where you're at. Be the best. If you're saying being a janitor like it was for my father-in-law, working in the public schools was the best for him, from coming from another country, not knowing the language very well, then praise God. He's the best where he's at. But I'm not settling that for everybody here. Not everybody here is supposed to stay as a janitor. Not everybody here is supposed to stay working for the man. Some of you are going to be the man. If you're the janitor, you're going to become the owner of the janitor business. I was watching one of the shows that I was talking about before, The Blue Collar Millionaire, and it talked about why this woman has a pink construction company. You see them out there doing work, not in our state, it's in another state. Pink bulldozers, pink cranes, pink construction company. Anybody ever seen a pink tractor or anything like that? No, owned by a woman. How did it start? She was simply an administrator at a family-owned construction business that was doing pretty well, maybe six figures or more a year. She was able to maybe make thirty or 40000 I can't remember all the details. She was the administrator. The family had no one to give the business to. They said to the administrator, hey, you seem to know this business. You're here every day. You know what we do. Would you like to buy this business for a few thousand dollars, whatever it was, and then take the loans out and get the equipment and just keep going? We'll give you the customers. She said, I'll do it. I've never done it on that side, but I've done it from this side. 
She then began to do her business, and it wasn't growing so fast, and then she got an idea. I'm a woman who owns a construction business. Why don't I use that to my advantage? So she painted everything she had pink, and now everybody recognized her. She became a multimillionaire over the next few years. Blood, sweat, and tears. Why? Because she was the best administrator on that job. And when it came for promotion, she was ready. Now you're the owner. Today, God is asking us, what is your dream? What blessings do you want to see come to this earth? Go with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 38, as we learn to what we're going to do with it. We're going to bless the world with it. We're going to be better with it than they are. We're going to use it to give back to the things that are needed most. When you look at this famous passage of Luke chapter 6, verse 38, it says, give and it will be given to you. You see, this is where those preachers get that idea of the offering. But you notice up until this point, I haven't mentioned the offering. Does everybody understand that? What did I just mention to you? The principles of success. You could have taken out my Bible verses, put me at UIC, and they would have said that was a good business talk, right? I'm giving you, though, the same principles they're using, but they come from our God. But what do we do with it? We give it. That's what we do with it. We don't hoard it for ourselves. We give it so that we can be a blessing, a blessing to others. And as we give, it will be given back to us. So we start this cycle of generosity. That's why the United States of America has done more charitable giving than any other group or country on the planet. Why isn't the Muslims are known for their charity and their nations and they have all the oil? Why isn't China known for its charity? The United States was built upon charitable giving because our millionaires actually cared about what we had and did. Our millionaires started things like the Salvation Army, the Goodwill, all of these different things I've mentioned before. What are we going to do with it now? We're going to give. But as we're now giving, what's God going to do? He's going to give it back to us because the promise still stands. Whatever you give up for the kingdom, you get back. So those of us who become generous, we're going to become more blessed. God is going to entrust us with the wealth and with the businesses and with the uh, you know, inventions and ideas because he's going to see us using it for his glory. Why? Come on. Why do you think the Americans won the Revolutionary War? Read about it. It was the prayers of God's people here. Some of you right now are turned off by the way I preach. You wouldn't have liked their preaching. The English hated the pulpit. You know what they called the pastors? The Black Robe Regiment. You know why they called them the Black Robe Regiment? Because when the pastors would stand behind the pulpit, they would preach the principles and then take off the robe and go lead their soldiers and their congregation to go fight for freedom. The, the military of England said, get those guys first. Those guys are leaders. Do you know that many who signed our Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, the only degree they had were Bible college degrees? Wallbuilders.org. Go to Wallbuilders. Learn these things about your history. Learn about the African-American leaders. Learn about the cultural leaders that were there at this time. Slavery was something that grew and continued to grow until the Civil War. It wasn't a part of every founding father's story. Don't believe all the myths that you're hearing today. Christians established this land, and that's why we died for them. While still to this day there are slaves in Africa. Are you listening? White people died to set black people free. While in Somalia, black people are still enslaving black people, and we have to go there and black hawk down and set them free. Can I hear an amen? And it's the same thing in Latin America. It's the same thing in these other nations. BLM wants to turn you against Western culture. Western culture is not white culture. Western culture is a biblical culture that was established by all the different peoples who were Christians. 
Africa and northern Africa belonged to Christians until Muslims came and transformed it into the hellhole that it is right now. Are you listening to me? During the time of the conquistadors, there was often battles between the conquistadors and the Aztecs and the Mayans. Most of the villagers sided with the conquistadors, though I'm not defending them, but they sided with the conquistadors because they saw the greater evil as their own people. Read about those stories. I have books on them, not just little videos I've watched. I have the actual books of history. Christians have not always done what is right, but the true Christians have won over time because God is building his kingdom on the earth. That's why even though things are getting worse, in one way things are getting better because God is strengthening his church. Even though right now you can say America suffered a lot through all of this that happened, what, what was the positive that came through all of this? The church got stronger. How many of you are woke for the right things right now? How many of you were more trusting towards the government, but now you're more woke towards questioning them? You see, that's the good that came out of it. How how many of you saw your jobs turn their back on you because you wouldn't get a vaccine and you're already thinking to yourself, I can't wait till we start the next hospital because that's where I'm working at because they all used to be started by Christians, right? And I can't wait till they start the next school because as a teacher, that's where I'm working at. Come on, somebody. Given it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now watch this. Will be poured into your lap for the measure you use. It will be measured to you. God wants our generosity to be known to the world. That's why I said when people come into this church, they have the fear of God because everybody look up at me, please. Yeah. Let me just bust some stuff on you right now from this, this church point of view because I'm practicing what I preach. When I say we started a Bible college, I don't mean we started a Bible study. I want you to understand what I mean by that. I have talked to the educational regulators that regulate the entire university system. Is everybody tracking with me? And I said, what must we do to have the accreditation they have? And they uh, gave to us the plan on how to do it. I have already talked to mega messes, I mean mega churches, and you know what they have said to me when I have told them that clearly? Oh, you mean you're starting a Bible institute? No, 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 I'm starting a Bible college, a university for Christians. Oh, you mean it's going to be like this and that, kind of like a Bible school that doesn't have accreditation? No, 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 you're not listening to me. Harvard, think of Harvard. That's what I'm starting. Do you know, do you know what they have said back to me? Pastors, how in the world can you guys afford that? How do you have, you guys in this little cor corner store, you, how are you paying for that? I said, because we saved. We brought in almost $800,000 last year. Saved it. You see, we did what the mega messes weren't doing. They were trying to put on shows for their online audience, acting like they're some YouTube video game church. We opened up our doors to you folks right here, and you gave your same tithe and offering just like you would have done there, and we brought in almost a million dollars. And I put it in the bank, and I said, this belongs to God. What God wants, he gets. I'm not getting another raise. I've already had my salary cap two years ago. So God said, hey, I trust this man. Give it to him. Angels, put that on that Google when they search, is a church open during COVID? Are you listening? So when they said to me, how do you have that? Because we're not a mega mess. That's why we have that. Because I'm not dipping back into it trying to now figure out how I get a raise because we just had our biggest year ever. Because I'm not trying to figure out now how to go down here and buy a $20 million building that's going to sit empty because we don't know how to win the community. I'm going to win this community by God's grace until we all come out the edges, out the doors. Then we'll go to the next one. Are you listening to me?
I'm not in a hurry. Pack this place out and we'll pack up the next one because I'm not competing with Chuck E. Cheese for your children. They can sit here until we got enough to go there in cash in Jesus' name. And if we're not going in cash, we're putting a lot down because I'm not going to be forced into their system. So many of my friends before this had enjoyed the prosperity of the mid-2000s. Whether you like Trump or not, people got the richest they ever became during that time. And they went out and all built these buildings that said empty for two years. That's why I said to them, hand me the keys and we'll put the God's people back up in there. Even one of T.D. Jakes' churches shut down. They said they're not coming back. And I was saying, man, if T.D. Jakes can't pull them in on one of those campuses, what do you think these guys are going to do? People are tired of the show. They want real church. So they say to me, uh, by God's grace, Vinny, would you come please? They say, how are you going to start this Bible college? I said, by the money we saved. Amen. Well, y'all saved this money? We felt sorry for you. Don't feel sorry for me. Somebody here came in a Toyota Camry 2002. Don't feel sorry for them. They might have six figures in their bank account. Because while you're trying to drive around in that brand new car, they're saving that car payment every single month. You're wondering, come on, you're wondering what's going on. My dad was a financial planner, so you can see I have a little swag in that because he worked with blue-collar millionaires. You wouldn't even recognize him. You wouldn't even recognize him, just like I'm talking about now. Most people aren't showy with their wealth. Most people, blood, sweat, and tears had to work for it, and they're holding on to it. But for us as God's people, we want to give it. We want to give it. You see, what God wants you to do is be blessed to be a blessing. Go to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. How many know Barnabas in the Bible? You ever heard of him? How many know his real name? Barnabas wasn't his real name. In that case, you all didn't know. That was his nickname. Barnabas, Abbas means son of. Abbas is encouragement. Or uh, Barna is, uh, Barn is son and Abbas is encouragement. Barnabas. I got it this time, sister. She helped me last time. Come on. Come on. She helped me last time. I came ready. I came, made sure I had it ready. Yeah. Barn, like you hear Simon Bar Jonah, that means son of Jonah. That means Jonah was Peter's father. Bar Nabus, Nabus is encouragement, means son of. Now watch this here. I'll teach you his real name. All the believers were in one heart and mind. This is the early church. No one claimed any of their possessions of their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at, powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. Wow, that sounds like there were some generous people there. Let's see how generous they really were. You want to see how generous they are? Because I'm a little bit turned off by this um, YouTube, uh, what do they call it? charitable giving type stuff, where everybody wants to show how they give stuff on YouTube. Look at how I do this. Look at how I give. I don't like that. The Bible says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. You don't know all that we've given in this year. You don't know how much we've helped people with those finances. I, I can't remember the exact number, so please don't quote me, but I think it was close to we gave around 70000 away. I can't remember the exact number, but you who are there, we have the report. You can look at our numbers anytime we have open books. Anybody today can look at all of our numbers. We hide nothing here. But, but what kind of turns me off is that every now and then these uh, YouTube guys, they go up to the poor and they say, hey, man, you got $5, man. I, you know, I don't have any money on me. And then when the poor say, man, look, I'll give you what I have, then they give them like 100 bucks and say, man, I'm glad that you were generous. And then they go to the working person and they say, hey, man, will you give me five bucks? And they kind of blow them off. And then they go, oh, see, the poor are more generous. In some ways, that's true. In some ways, that's true. 
But you see, the problem with the working man and the way they set this up is the working man don't trust you. You see, in the world that the poor are in, they got to trust everybody. They don't have a choice. They're hustling. I'm just being honest. I've worked with street people. I brought in over 30 into my own house, so please don't judge me. Now, I'm telling you how it is, okay? Have you brought in 30 homeless people into your house? I'm telling you how homeless people and people on the streets are. They're willing to trust you because that's, that's all they got, okay? But here's what I said would be fair if you want to do it fairly. Come to that rich man with a plan or that working person with a plan and see how they give, and now you'll know why. The goodwill has that Santa ringing that bell because workers like you give that uh, money and support those organizations. So in other words, the poor are not making the goodwill what it is. It's you that makes it what it is. But you aren't just going to give it to some random person. Are you all listening to me? Okay, so now watch. When the Bible says they had all things in common, they shared things with each other and they gave, what most people now are going to think is like, well, that's just like church people helping each other out with, you know, like a couple clothes, you know, some new, ten uh, you know, used tennis shoes, you know, that their kids used to have. No, look at what it says right here. From time to time, those who owned land or houses, plural, sold them. To be able to sell land and houses, what much you first have? Land and houses. So those who owned land and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. That's why we give offering, or traditionally it's been done at the, the foot of the stage, because that's how they did. They brought it to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Now look at verse 36, please. Joseph, that's your boy's name. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. See, that's where I want to ask you, do you want to have houses and land according to the Bible? Yeah, pastor, we want it. Then will you sell it? and put it at the apostles' feet? See, that's the catch-22 for the Christian, isn't it? I'll tell you what, just keeping it real with you, I kind of regret it a little bit watching our numbers last year and me capping my salary. Man, I worked hard. COVID, look it up right now, stats on pastors quitting and churches closing down. It was a hard year. And I thought to myself, well, you know, I made that commitment, and I didn't know things could go like this. And, I, you know, six kids, I thought I could manage it this way. Maybe a 10% annual raise would be fair. And you know what God said to me? This is what God said to your pastor. You put that 10% raise on there, I'm stopping it coming from me. Now, I probably could have did it. You wouldn't have known, or the church maybe have, have told you in some way, but it wouldn't have looked like the way it does now in a way of me compromising, let's put it that way. And maybe the church would have kept growing. And in one way, I would have said, God, you know, because I've seen God say he's going to take his hands off stuff, but yet it still keeps moving. And I might have kept growing in as a pastor, getting all that wealth as the church kept growing. Right? But I think God would have showed me what he really meant because the blessing wouldn't have just been the money. He, when he would have said to me, as he told me, I'll take my hand off this, he wasn't just talking about money. He was talking about he'll take his hand off my mind that guards me from the greed of the money. 
to take his hand off my heart that keeps me from looking at you as a dollar bill. I don't know what any of you give here. Are you listening to me? But you see, that was tempting for me. As a pastor of a religious organization, how much more so do I know it's tempting for you? Oh, I just got a raise. Thank you, Jesus. I'm blessed. I know you're doing something good in my life. Yeah, but did your giving go up? Did you increase your charitable giving to the community? Well, no, 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 you know, I got my new car. That's what I was hoping for. That's why I wanted the raise. That's why I was working overtime, so that now I could afford this car or we could take that vacation. Then you're doing it wrong. The Bible says, give and it will be given to you. So the Christian is praying for God's blessing, his face to shine upon them, so that we can be known as givers. I want this whole entire church to be known as a Barnabas church. I want to keep saying those testimonies. And people say, what? That happened here? Yes, and it keeps happening here. They brought in over a million? Yes. And they gave away six figures that year? A hundred thousand? Yes. Because God did it. Now at this point, each one of us have to decide how we're going to work out this message. Some of you might say, man... I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to go pray, but I don't know what I'm going to do. Okay, well, then just start there. Just, you know, I'm going to pray, Pastor. I, I don't know much about this. Okay, pray. Others of you, you're going to say, this is a confirmation. There's, there's something, Pastor, that you hit on that I've been on. I want to pray for you today because I want to see these ideas start to come forth. Like I said, some of you might just be like, man, I don't know what any of this means. I'm just, okay, I'll pray. Lord, bless me. Okay, that's fine. But I'm looking for those that were in this congregation that were already talking to God about stuff like this. Because as I go on to the next messages, there's some things that I have for our second service, different messages that we're going to go into. You may not hear a message like this for a long time. Matter of fact, if you ask people who go to this church, just ask them after this service, especially if you're a visitor, ask them, when was the last time pastor preached about our finances? Cynthia is an elder. Do you even remember the last time that I preached on finances? Yeah, when we did the, the end of the year giving report, because I had to talk about finances, like here's your money, what we did with it. So January. But what about before that? Did you see me do a whole sermon? Like here's a sermon on finances. This woman doesn't lie. I'm telling you the truth. Because here's my thing. I'm not here to beg it. I'm not here to shout it. What I'm looking for as a pastor right now, and I'm just, I'm just giving this as seed in your heart, is I'm looking for you and I to be ready for the next thing that God has for your life, for our city, and for this nation. I'm, I'm just believing God for it. And I think during these next few years, each one of us is going to have opportunities to do things that influence our future in ways we never thought about. Because I've talked to so many of you, whether it's Daryl starting his mechanic business and God just blessing him, Ulysses working and doing weddings, whether it's other ideas. I mean, I could just tell you idea after idea. I was talking to this brother today. He sells glass. He's made some of the greatest deals just this past week. Am I telling the truth, brother? Can I testify about your family, Orlando Gas Company, or Glass Company? Give it up for Orlando Glass. Come on. How many know glass needs to go on trucks? How many know somebody's company needs to put glass on them, making the biggest deals? I won't mention any more than that because I don't want to embarrass them or you know, break confidence. But I've been hearing this. It's, it's not just one of you. It's been so many of you that have come to me. Others of you have said to me, I've never saved up this much before. What do I do with it, Pastor? Because you know that for a lot of these uh, people I've known since they were young, I married them. 
you know, and they're just asking me because some of them don't have godly fathers, and they're asking me, Pastor, I've saved up six figures. What do I do with it? And I just say, man, pray about it, get a financial planner, or just invest in safe stocks. You know, these kind of basic advice. But there's something bigger than that for a lot of you. Some of you, for the first time, you've bought in dual uh, plexes, and you've got these houses. And every time you guys get them, you ask me to pray for you because you say you want to be a blessing to the church. You want people who have a hard time getting their credit scores, you know, to come rent there. You want, you know, treat them good. Do you think that God cares about this? I think he does. Going back to the psalm in closing, please. Please be patient with me here. I'm going to read this again now. And I'm going to ask you that you just dream with me. And dream for your family. Dream for your community. My brother was just in Mexico as I was talking about. Do you know that so many of the cartels run those cities? He's got a, I mean, uh, Lawrence was telling me God wants to send him back there to establish godly villages and godly communities. Why do the cartels get to take it over? Why not the church in Jesus' name? Why can't the church rid it of its crime? and begin to run the businesses again and bring back God to those places. I was just talking to him last week about it as he was visiting Jackie's family. I'm going to read this. God help me not to preach it again. But would you dream with me? Because this is how it hit me. This is, you just heard my heart today, saints. I hope it pray, I pray to God that it encourages you. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on the earth and your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses it. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. If you believe it, will you stand up and give it up for Jesus? And band and altar workers, would you come please? Lord, would you bless us? Pour out your spirit.